Welcome to PackSafe's Legal Department of the Future podcast. I'm PackSafe founder and CEO, Brian Powers. In this podcast, I sat down with Brian St. Amore, the general counsel and COO of Carrier HQ. Tune in as Brian and I discuss how he's overcome being a B2B business with B2C volume, as well as his unique approach to evaluating when to automate and accelerate processes with technology. Welcome back to another episode of Legal Department to the Future. Today, I have the COO and General Counsel from Carrier HQ, Brian St. Amore. Brian, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is our first podcast being recorded during the COVID-19 pandemic, so we're all on lockdown, but uh, it's not keeping us from recording podcasts. Brian, why don't, uh, why don't we start? Just give us a little bit about uh, your background. Yeah, I started my career as a patent attorney and working in you know a couple law firms here in Indianapolis and then kind of moved in-house to Ingersoll Rand um, where I was kind of my first in-house role, managed um, patent portfolios for a couple of the business units for, for a number of years and then had the opportunity to join Indiana University Research and Technology Corporation and help kind of develop some of their processes and um, opportunities to kind of grow and license the technology and start companies coming out of Indiana University. And then, you know, my latest kind of opportunity was to was asked to join and start a group of small portfolio companies for a family office out of Illinois as their general counsel. And one of those businesses um, ran into some some kind of challenges and got asked to kind of move into an operational role and uh, kind of currently now the acting as the relaunch of the re the reborn group at carrier hq which is a small plat- platform for small fleets in the motor trucking industry where we have a kind of a key partner with aon insurance where we have a kind of an exclusive product where um, the insurance can be re-rated and so it's an opportunity for these flight fleets to be able to kind of show their safe driving and we can uh, working with aon re-rate those insurance policies so they can save money and be incentivized for being good drivers. So I think it's easy to sum it up and say I kind of spent my career starting as an engineer um, and kind of moving away and now uh, started as a lawyer. Now I guess I'm finally a recovering lawyer uh, as I'd say probably 80% of my role is now more on the operations side versus the legal side. What's your day-to-day look like in that role? That's a pretty interesting role to, to have evolved into. Yeah, so we're a, a fintech startup, and we have kind of obviously our insur- insurance side. So it's almost you know the an insure tech meets financial tech. So we have a um, factory and a receivables business on one side where we're buying trade receivables. So the loads that these fleets are um, are running, they want to get paid in you know 24 hours, and we'll buy an invoice versus wait, and then we'll take the risk on the back end for. Um, for those shippers that are kind of paid on 30 or 60 day pay terms. And so on that side of the business, a lot of it is about um, kind of evaluating risk, looking at kind of UCC filings, kind of helping manage our high volume operation on that side, kind of deciding what invoices we can and can't buy, 
And then on the insurance side, obviously it's a heavily regulatory environment. So we also have an insurance brokerage um, entity and we maintain all our licenses and compliance with the state on that side, working kind of closely in concert with Aon. So I split my time between kind of the finance, <laughs> looking at um, evaluating kind of the flow on that side to then the um, managing kind of the insurance and products that they would purchase on, on the other side. So high volume of contracts, both on the, the partner side, but then also just kind of maintaining um, a flow. So while we're a B2B business, we really are B2C like. And so everything that you would think about a typical B2B business is different in this, this environment because it's a lot, it's a heavy, you know, light touch, lots of, lots of customers. So that's really interesting. The, uh, you know, B2B that kind of operates like B2C in terms of volume and velocity of transactions. I imagine that creates some pretty unique challenges. Yeah, I mean, one of the most unique challenges is the fact that our customers' offices, in most cases, are literally moving every week, if not every day, since their offices are in, you know, their truck. And so everything we did had to be mobile-friendly, had to be easy. We had to have lots of descriptions so they can draw down, as well as, you know, we have customer service, but when you start looking at, kind of the value proposition, we had to have and make sure everything was a light touch. And so we had to make sure that we kind of approached everything with kind of fair terms and very easy to explain. Because um, typical insurance, you know, just on the insurance side, if someone's applying for motor carrier insurance, it typically is about a 30-day process. They have to pull loss runs and sorts of pieces. And on our side, we work closely with Aon to develop it so they can get a quote, you know, in about five minutes if they're able to pull you know, if they have their key information available, and then we pull everything from third-party sources. But as you might imagine, that requires a lot of click wrap type agreements and really being able to get the right consents, and it varies state by state. So being able to have kind of a tool that is flexible enough to support us, um, but the trying to kind of manage to the, I guess, the strictest of the, the states. So yeah, given the nature of your customer base, what, like, how does that interface and interaction look? Like, how are you staying connected with your customers? Yeah, so when a new customer comes on, um, you know, and I can even start back, you know, our, our typical marketing approach is a lot of kind of emails and, you know, kind of operating on kind of use active campaign as the product that we utilize um, to push you know, various kind of email chains to kind of get them in. Ultimately, they have to enter the only way to apply for our kind of cornerstone product, which is the Aon insurance product, is to go through the process in our, our platform. It's not available for them to do it in a traditional sense. So what we, what we have is our customers kind of go in, create an account, and then start the product for, you know, identify the products that they want to kind of apply for in most in almost all cases they're primarily coming in for the insurance product um, and then they kind of have a series of kind of forms within the platform that they utilize but then there's a number of kind of pieces of information that have to flow um, depending on which kind of payment method they select so in, in the world of we have kind of two main payment ways they can they can achieve they can either do an ACH 
or they can use a um, utilize you know factor our factoring services, which is that trade receivables business. And in both cases, it kind of kickstarts a semi-manual process, and we utilize PackSafe has turned out to be a fantastic tool for us because we can create branded forms and um, allow for some of the variation that um, we can take that data back into the system and kind of get it to them in a number of different ways. So we can text it, we can email it. And that's been a huge, um, you know, avenue. Because as you might imagine, these fleets, they're, they're not new to technology. But when you're signing, you're typically signing paper applications for insurance or talking to someone on the phone. And while we have customer support, there's a lot of those pieces where we, we really are just trying to make sure they're aware of what they're signing up for at the different stages so that they're not surprised by a bill or a discount or, or some, you know, operating factor later. And, and that's where utilizing a tool that's designed for those high volume um, is helpful. And then, as you might imagine, the insurance industry is fairly regulated. So having a third party audit ability um, really eliminates a lot of those risks that that person received it and they were able to sign it. So we can kind of utilize, a, you know, we have all the same security working through a pack safe outside our platform as we do when they're kind of going through the, the platform. We find um, most of the time people get about 90, 95% of the way through and they have a question. And that's where being able to shift into a manual process is pretty helpful. Well, that's great. I wasn't expecting you to uh, to talk about PackSafe, so I appreciate that. It wasn't really my intention either, except that it's become such a kind of critical piece of what we've been able to, to do. And for me, you know, on a legal operations side, um, when we look at that, I have a number of people that are running different parts of the business, and they can take the templates that we've created and kind of put them into their own PackSafe forms so they can get um, where we want to make sure we can go back and get that confirmation where we didn't necessarily want to just rely on, did that email go? Did they respond to that email? There's something kind of inherent in, you know, I think people feel comfortable when they cl say click accept that it actually does something. Well, that's interesting. That's, that's great feedback. Um, it sounds like you've, you've figured out a way to inject contracts, policy review and all that into what could otherwise be a pretty difficult process. I'd be curious, what's your approach to evaluating opportunities like that? As in, when do you look for technology to help you automate something and to make you more efficient as opposed to maybe not doing that, right? Like what are some other opportunities that you found in the business where you've been able to exercise that sort of analysis? Yeah, and so in our business, I mean, especially when you look at our two core services, which are, you know, factoring in the trucking business and so buying receivables or on the insurance side in both cases those are historically um, a lot of manual steps in the process and so you have large teams and as a startup we wanted to approach kind of going after these two areas in a way that didn't need to require nearly the volume of humans and so I think every time we look at evaluating whether it's a new opportunity, so a new business that we're looking to get into, or everything that we're looking to, to scale, we may start something manual, but we've always got a plan in place about how we're going to replace that with with automation. So, and, you know, a good example is on our, our factoring side, 
we we've already invested kind of heavily in in a, in a product that is designed just for that industry that typically uh, the size is we're kind of growing we wouldn't be at yet but the rationale was let's build all our processes into that optimization and kind of hire the team we need to be able to manage you know 1500 2000 trucks and then use that team to kind of leverage um bringing in you know just a handful of bodies as we're able to to automate and that's you know been been key because i think anytime you look for an investment you know if it's a license fee or if it's a you know small return you know and and the issues with covid really make you look at it is you want your team to be um as nimble as they can be but you don't necessarily you want to make sure that they're um, there, everybody is a, a critical piece, and since you're not kind of dealing with all of the challenges that a large payroll might might bring, so we'll typically look at um, you know the return on investment, and if in our model the technology is going to get us there and avoid adding a body, then that's kind of how we price it. So we kind of look at across the board. And, and that'd be the same time when we look at whether we would we want to utilize expanding a Salesforce or look at a HubSpot or kind of any of those other enhancements. Everything is kind of back to what's the, the human cost and at what point do you make that, that change? So can one person manage 20 accounts manually? Yes. So if the system can manage, you know, 400 per, you know, body, then that becomes kind of an easy decision. And we're, dealing with high volumes so more purchasing invoices we're typically buying you know two to three a week per customer and on the insurance side you're kind of processing you know a number of, of accounts at the same time so we kind of have a high volume coming into our kind of two core businesses and without automation or kind of a plan to implement different pieces of automation it can be kind of daunting to think about how you're going to manage it you have a, a pretty interesting analytical approach to all this. Do you have uh, kind of high level holistic advice you can give to others on how they can kind of a, a, adopt a similar approach to what you have? Yeah. I mean, I think the, the approach that we're, we're applying here is very similar to the approach I've applied when I was, you know, at managing large patent portfolios. So you're, you're always looking at how are you, how are you kind of preserving mitigating risks or finding the opportunities um, in, in a way that, you know, you have the most, you know, shots on goal that you can, you can get within a particular budget. No one has an unlimited budget. And so you've got to show real value. And coming from the patent world where patents are, you know, typically a fixed fee, it's really easy for you to start thinking of things in a, in a pure transactional cost. And we're lucky in our business that almost everything can be distilled down to a transactional cost. Um, every time we want to run a new UCC search on a new client, we know exactly how much that costs. And so we're able to kind of stack up all of those expenses in a way that can let us kind of balance where, where the human intervention still needs to be because nothing's a hundred percent and you do need those human checks, but it's about how do you, how do you flow the, the certain ones through and only spend time on the, the 20% that are kind of abnormal or, you know, a little bit higher risk. Um, once you're confident that something's kind of flowing correctly in the process. That's great. I think that'll be really helpful.
How, uh, how are you and your family holding up in uh, quarantine? I think I'm ready to support higher teacher pay. Um, the the e-learning uh, has really shown me how much um, we appreciate our, our teachers. And I'm certain there's, you know, we know they're still doing a lot of work, going to help create the lessons. But uh, the day-to-day the -day, uh, opportunities, um, I think they there's there's some reasons I didn't become a teacher, and and those kind of have found their way to the surface in the in the last week, but overall I'm, I think we're doing well. Um, we're lucky that both my wife and I can work at home. Um, she has her office downstairs, and I've been able to set up mine. I know not everybody is is lucky to do that, but um, you know it's definitely different. I'm used to being around people all day long, and now I'm kind of upstairs in my upstairs office by myself most of the day. It sounds like you've adjusted pretty well. I think I'm in agreement with you on the uh, teacher pay. Well, Brian, this has been great. I think people are going to really love this. Thank you so much for joining me. No, thanks for having me.